Welcome back to the Able Voice Podcast with Kim and Haley. Hello! Today we have such a fun episode because we get to continue to get to know the wonderful, the one and only Haley Francis Can. In alignment with our last episode where she got a chance to interview me, ask a little bit about myself, both in the personal and professional realm, um, as you know, that's a very prominent theme that we've discussed of this authenticity in the personal versus the professional. So today we continue that kind of structure of the interview and I get to ask Haley some questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm very excited about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Haley, how you feeling? Are you ready? I don't know whether to be excited or nervous, but I'm ready. I'm here. (laughs) I feel like it's such a fine line between those two feelings of like the nervousness and the excitement. Yeah. So connected. Let's start off with this personal side and get to know the Haley Francis can, the Haley as a person, some of the nitty gritty of the things that are prominent in your world, starting with your favorite color. What color resonates with you? My favorite color... I think throughout my life has been purple. I've always resonated with purple. Um, it's never been a color that I like, you see, you know, sometimes you're fixated on a color for a specific Mm -hmm. part of your life and then it goes away and you're into something else. Purple has always been a steadfast color of interest Mm -hmm. of mine. So much so that when I was younger, my whole room was painted purple. (laughs) Like, Um, it was painted purple. The first opportunity I got to paint my own room, it was like, I did this like sponge pattern of, um, like a lilac purple all over the walls. And then I got, as I got older, I had another opportunity to paint my room. And this time I did like a color block of different shades of purple on mm. my wall. So it was like a darker purple at the bottom, then like a thin stripe of a really, really light purple. And then the top was like a medium colored purple. Um, and so I just, I've always come back to the the color purple. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I love that. Well, it's funny when you were talking about like the different, um, when you did it with the different shades, I was wondering, is, is there any particular hue or shade of purple that you're most drawn to? Or is it just, you know, anything purple? I, I think I tend to like more pastel colors right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm leaning more to like a pastel purple color as being something that's really it, in my mind. I feel like calm when I see that color. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate with that. What about your favorite animal, Haley? Oh, this one. I So I've thought about it and I, it's a really <laughs> tricky question because I think animals are so beautiful. And although I can't be around all of them, like I'm allergic to cats. So I know that like, I love to be around little kittens and Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I can only do it for a certain period of time or or take an allergy pill before I'm with them um puppers of course (laughs) I think as a human I've spent the most time around doggos so I would say they have my heart for sure um but I think if I ever were to come in contact although you know, research and facts have said that they're deadly. Um, uh, if I were to come in contact with a koala bear, I think I would lose it. Yeah, that's pretty fair. They're they're pretty darn adorable, but a little bit um, n- not as I don't think as kind as they are presented in the no. <laughs> in the cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but I just like the idea of it is uh, something that warms my heart. Like little little tiny bears. Well, they are bears, little koala, koala bears kind of thing. Yeah, little squishies. (laughs) 
little squishies. And the puppers love you too. Uh, Haley is very close with my uh, my George and my Maggie, and of course your your pupper Coco. But um, at the time that we're recording this, uh, Haley had just uh, happened to be in Canada for the briefest experience. But uh, she surprised Maggie and George when she came in, and they they lost their mind. So the feeling is mutual there. <laughs> <laughs> They're so smart. Like animals are so smart, but you know, the connection that people have with their dogs. So this next one, I don't know if it's going to be a hard one for you. It's hard for me because I love food and I know that we share that passion. Um, so do you, do you have a favorite food, whether that's a been a consistent tour just a right now too? So believe it or not, I saw a quote this morning on my Instagram. I was like scrolling through my feed that 100% is who I am as it relates to food. But so just a little background. I agree with your answer. Um, Pizza Mm -hmm. will continue to be a staple. But I was trying to narrow down some of my favorite foods. And this quote is just something that is, it's just how it summarizes me. So it says, I do not exist to be viewed, to be considered sexy, desirable. I am, but a vessel for pasta. And that is valid. (laughs) So I was thinking of like, what is my favorite food? And I just kept thinking macaroni and cheese. Oh, no, fettuccine Alfredo. Oh, but no, spaghetti carbonara. Oh, but no, pesto penne pasta. Oh, but no. <laughs> Just going in circles about what my favorite food was. And they were all pasta. And I'm like, mm, take me to Italy. Sign me up. That's awesome. Sounds like we connect there. We'll go to Italy. You'll eat all the pasta. I'll just go tasting all the, the pizza. Pasta is the best too, though. Pasta, that's too pizza, hard. Pe- pots of pizza. <laughs> that's a, that's pasta, a tongue twister. Pizza and wine, I think. Oh. Chef's kiss again. I would just be a roly-poly, though, so we'd have to (laughs) walk a lot of steps and stuff, which I think European culture involves a lot of walking anyway, so we'd be fine. Yeah, we got things to do. It's all about that uh, that, that give and take. Yeah, be local. Walk around, eat the pasta, (laughs) gelato. Mm. Mm. Ooh, gelato. Yes. So staying with this food realm a bit, because you mentioned the wine in there, wondering, you know, what's your, what's your current drink of, drink of choice? Um, we can, you know, wine or the, the evening beverages or the whatever, or, and maybe something that you go is your go-to right now. So daytime beverage, I have been drinking a lot of water recently, which is great. Um, <laughs> but I always tend to, um, move toward like an ice, a, ice lemonade kind of Mm. mixture iced tea um lemonade mixture so whenever they have like the flavored iced teas i am all for it yeah so that's something that i i used to drink a lot of the herbal mist i don't know if that's in canada um but they don't bring them in anymore here so it's been like snapple the snapple iced tea like flavored iced teas have been my go-to and then for evening bevies, I am a red wine girly yeah. for sure. Also, thanks to one of my friends, I've gotten introduced this year or within the past year and a bit to gin and tonics. So yeah. <laughs> that has been another drink of choice for sure. Um, and then swizzle is always like a holiday time drink of choice for me. Yeah. Yeah. Special occasion juice. (laughs) That can be daytime too, depending. Yeah, that's in any time. (laughs) Depending on the, you know, circumstances or context. (laughs) Amazing. All fantastic choices. Oh, I kind of miss Swizzle, Haley. I haven't, uh, I haven't made it because you're the best one at making it. I'll have to come down, come down for a Swizzle Bizzle. (laughs) What about flowers? And I know that there's, um, I always see your pictures with lots of lovely greenery and lots of things. And we we've gone on so many walks and just taken in that, but do you have a favorite or a favorite couple? So I love the way that sunflowers make me feel. (laughs) 
And I've recently been driving past like pastures of sunflowers. And I used to get sunflowers um, when I was living in Canada. I would drive past the fields and see like the stands mm. of people selling the sunflowers and just pick them up on my drive home. And they just make me so happy to look at. So sunflowers yeah. are definitely up there. And then orchids, I would consider to be a favorite flower. But I do love so many, like just the idea of seeing flowers in bloom mm -hmm. yeah. really makes me happy. So like, especially when it's a seasonal flower, like um, a lily that only comes out certain time of year or um, even seeing the poinsettias around Christmas time, oh, yeah. really like it's not a flower, but <laughs> you know, the plants that bloom. Yeah. They, they have little floweries. Yeah. Yeah. It just it it's really nostalgic and reminds me of a specific time of year mm -hmm. that is also connected to certain activities or certain people in your life. And so it brings back lots of warm, warm, warm thoughts. Yeah, I resonate with that. The like seasonal bloom, like yeah, when it's in that full moment and it's a short span where they're really thriving and blooming, and you have that point pinpoint of a memory of, yeah, this is a a winter flower or this is a spring or this is the summer. And yeah, I forgot about sunflowers until you mentioned, I love sunflowers, but I think it's one of those things where unless I'm seeing them, they're so majestic. They're like a, they almost feel like a wildflower. Are they what? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> I don't know what that term means. I gotta look. <laughs> so, um, obviously music is very prominent in both of our worlds. And I think they take, <laughs> I see you thinking already, you know, what's coming, <laughs> um, you know, it, it takes different shapes in our world. So in this place of personal still right now, what's a favorite song on the radio or that, that you've just been listening to a lot recently? Honestly, I'm just thinking of this question and I can't, I don't think I can pinpoint one song in my head because like you, I haven't really been listening to the radio too much. I did recently because we had Carnival here. And so all that's playing on the radio right now is soca music. And so that's been on the radio and I've been vibing just because it's that kind of time of year, <laughs> um, you know, going off the same seasonal kind of theme. But, um, okay. So two have been coming to mind and, and uh, like, again, these might be outdated songs because they <laughs> might not be currently on the radio, but, um, snooze by SZA has mm. really been a jam for me right now. Um, SZA's whole album just is like, you can't not sing that at the top of your lungs if, you know, you're just like into that. Um, and then she's like the Taylor Swift of R&B, I feel like. <laughs> she's just half to sing along. Yeah. Um, and then I Like You by Post Malone. Like, I just, they're really good feel-good songs <laughs> to just vibe when you're yeah. in the car, specifically. I just love those, too. I love that, too. Do you have a little snippet for us? A little singable? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't even think I could do it justice because SZA's voice is so unique, but um, <clears throat> the, the chorus, it basically says, um, I can lose when I'm with you. How can I snooze and miss the moment? You're just too important. Nobody, nobody like you. Something like that. You yeah. do. I can't lose. I love it. Um, and then I like you. It's just <laughs> you should watch the videos of Post Malone like um performing this on stage. <laughs> He's just such a character. And <laughs> says, I like you. I do. <laughs> you don't need to know all the words my mom and I used to drive um she used to drive me to school when I was younger and one of the things that we would always like butt heads about is her absolutely not knowing the lyrics to songs when she was singing them so I have this one specific moment where we were singing a Michael Jackson song and and I can't even remember what the song is now, but we were singing a Michael Jackson song and there's a part where he's just singing nonsense. Like it's nonsensical words. And she 
full-heartedly thought that she was saying something that he wasn't like she had a whole sentence in her mind of what he was saying and that was absolutely not the right words so um, I love it (laughs) now I have now that I'm older I like find myself not really knowing the words to a lot of songs either especially within my personal life like I'll be singing along on the radio and just be like yeah and it's not about the words it's just about you like living in the moment yeah that like vibe that it's bringing totally I'm glad that that's how you sang it because when I when you said it I was like oh I I like you is that the one that goes I like you I do same thing right I was like I don't know what they say but I should go (laughs) just vibing just enjoying it (laughs) I love that And I like that you make that distinction too of like, you know, in our personal world, when we're listening to music, we're like, we're paying attention to it for the energy a lot of the times. And, and yeah, the words are important for some of the songs. It depends what you're using it for, but when you're just like enjoying the music or music that's bringing that energy, you kind of just like exist in that present moment without needing to like study it (laughs) as we have to do sometimes when we switch into the professional or when we're using that same song for clinical use. So slowly, well, we're going to transition into the professional a little bit. And, you know, there's always room to come back to the personal because they're very heavily connected. But before we do, is there anything else that, you know, that you want the, you want the world to know about Haley Francis can the human about you, (laughs) about your, your quirks and your passions and your. The world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I am. I am a sister to five beautiful human darling <laughs> um <laughs> children or young adults now some of them are children still and i love watching them grow up um i'm a daughter i am a niece um granddaughter and family's so important to me. We're so connected. And mm-hmm. so that's a big, big part of who I am and um, what makes me me. I wouldn't be who I am without mm-hmm. them and, and their influence on my life. Um, I am a dual citizen. So I was born in Canada yeah. in the winter time. Uh, but I hate the winter. So (laughs) (laughs) it just works out that my, the rest of my family are, um, in Bermuda. And so I live in this beautiful place and I get to call this beautiful place home. And, um, so, you know, going swimming, being the smell of salt, in the air is something that I really, really love. I love watching a good sunset and I love dancing and being around, um, you know, kind people, (laughs) kind, fun, energetic, funny people. Um, and I think that I'm drawn to that kind of, kind of energy as we were talking about before. So that's me in a, in a nutshell, I'm a quirky, fun, <laughs> loving, um, sometimes quiet, but I mm-hmm. seem to draw like the, the, um, throughout my life, I think I've had lots of friends who are like extroverts and I'm more of an omnivert. I can mold into both, but I really am an introvert at heart and need the people around me to like pump me up <laughs> when it comes to social things. So I am, um, kind of that chameleon in a way. That's such a good, like little synopsis or summary. Obviously it's so hard to, to summarize the things that people should know about you. And that's why we get to know people. And I'm grateful that I get to know you on the level that I have, but that was such a good little synopsis of some of those values of things that are important to you. That that energy, like you said, that you have of, yeah, I've seen Haley in those super extroverted pumped up modes that she's actually pulling me to be more extroverted, which is fabulous. And then you also just have this really beautiful presence when it is time to reflect or when it is time to just be in those more grounded, calm, um, peaceful spaces of just like, yeah, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to, you know, be in the same place, but in our own worlds or like body doubling or things very helpful for me as a human. 
<laughs> just like reground. So, yeah, I love that. This is fun. I'm enjoying this conversation. Do this more often. <laughs> Funny enough, Haley, the person hates being in the stop spotlight. So it is yes. a very <laughs> weird experience to like be treading that line of like that introvert, extrovert, even right now in this interview. Yeah, that's such a that's such an interesting concept too. And as we transition into more of the professional side of thing, I'm actually wondering whether you can share with us your thoughts on, on how that shifts when you are in the professional world. Cause like you said, you know, personal Haley as a person doesn't really love that spotlight. Professional Haley often has to be in that spotlight. So what is, what does that look like for you? Or do you find that there's any difference in how you approach it or how, how it feels? Yeah. So I, surprisingly I do well under pressure (laughs) and I've known this because of the roles that I've been thrown into professionally and so I don't know there's like this switch um people talk about it a lot when it comes to like code switching and and I've talked about that before about how just the way that I talk when I moved to Canada, I had to switch the way that I was talking so that people would understand what I was saying. And my accent wasn't super duper heavy. Um, and I do that on the podcast as well. I'm pretty sure like my family listened back to the podcast and they're like, <laughs> Oh, you're speaking so proper. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I just want people to understand me. Um, so There's, I think there's just the natural switch that happens between who I am in my personal life. It's not inauthentic. It's just a more polished, forward-facing version Mm -hmm. of who I am. And oftentimes I'll come out of a professional engagement feeling so drained, (laughs) so exhausted, um, because it does take a lot of energy for me to show up in a way that I feel would be satisfactory to myself in a way that I want to represent music therapy and the brands that I create. So it is, it is exhausting. It's a lot of energy and it takes a lot of, um, planning around to be able to do like afterwards. I know I will just need a second (laughs) to like unwind and just be, um, my introverted self. I can't jump from one thing into another like blah social engagement because I won't be able to do it. There there have to be some boundaries and I've come to know those limits of like, okay, after something is going to take a lot of energy for me to complete, I need some unwind time before I can do anything else that will require lots of energy. I totally get that. And I think that's such a... um such an important insight too, in terms of this balance of, of personal professional that we continue to talk about. Cause like you said, you know, the way that you're able to present or engage in that professional context, isn't inauthentic. It's just a different way of engaging that, you know, you're going to need that, that recovery time from. So, yeah. You know what? I also, um, on TikTok and I was reading some articles the other day where, um, this person was giving a speech at graduation and it really resonated with me. Um, So I did some more research about it and I was like, I wonder if this is a thing that people have, you know, have been saying for a while, like common phrase. And the main point or the opening point that they made in their uh, speech was that I think it's important that we lean more into being human beings versus mm. human doings. Ooh. And we know that we're human beings, but we get caught up in, you know, our self-worth and, and the things that we d- to define as our self-worth and the way that other people see us and society sees us is like wrapped up in the idea of human doing the things that we do really well to be a valuable contributor to our society and to ourselves when we look at ourselves. But being a human being is the belief that we 
or our self-worth is defined by our values and our attitudes and beliefs instead of what we can do or contribute in action to the world. It's more of like what we believe, um, what we value is the real important part of things. So the example they gave us like, yeah, after graduation, you're going to probably go and do some great work as like a social worker, let's say, or in this case, as a music therapist, you're going to do great work as a music therapist, but you're going to be someone who's empathetic, someone Mm -hmm. who's kind, someone who listens, someone who cares, someone who is equitable. That is what is truly important. And so for me, in order to maintain my human being, I have to nurture that through um, periods of self-care that will allow me to be those things. Because if I don't get enough rest (laughs) or enough, um, give myself enough space or create boundaries that will help me to be that best human being, then I won't be. Um, And so that is important for me, for sure. I really love that framework. And I think it's such a good guiding principle that really touches on that authenticity of anyone who might be struggling between that, you know, that, that play of who am I as a person, who am I as a music therapist? Like you said, really coming back to that, like those values, the human being piece, because that's going to come out naturally in the work that we do. And when it's not, when we're, when it's not coming through, that's when we tend to feel the most, um, uh, disconnection or, or just, um, disalignment. If we, you know, if we're doing the things, if we're focused on checking the things off the list, but not paying attention to who we are. I really like that to find that video and see that, uh, hear, um, hear that speech. Yeah, I'll have to find it and link it to our show. Notes. Yeah, that'd be great. Beautiful. Okay. I think that's a, such a lovely segue into continuing to talk about, you know, Haley with this professional hat on knowing that you are this human being and that, that comes with all of the things that, that you value and are and and who you are as a lovely, lovely, wonderful human being. So let's stick with this music component a little bit. Is there a particular instrument that you've, you really enjoy to play, um, or that you're really resonating a favorite instrument? I love to play my djembe and, um, you know, rhythm is such an important piece of who I am as a person that I feel like it's just such a great way for me to connect with other people through rhythm. And the djembe is such a grounding instrument within therapy that I love to bring it into sessions. And I love the reactions and responses that we get as a result of engaging in playing rhythmic instruments together. Yeah, the djembe is such a fun instrument. Like you said, the the rhythmic play that you can have within that is so exciting. And just to be able to thump around with it in your home <laughs> on your own is awesome. Would you say that that, so that's your favorite, you said that's, you know, favorite instrument to play. You love to play that. Would you say that that's also your favorite to bring in for those reasons clinically? Or is there a different instrument that, you know, you you know, you love bringing in for a particular reason or that you make sure is always on hand? So I, yes and no. So I always have a rhythmic instruments with me, mm-hmm. no matter what. Um, my djembe is not always as accessible for me to carry around right. with me everywhere. Um, but I do always bring along my frame drum so that I can have that as something accessible, or if not like little, like little versions of like little frame drums um, that I can use uh, that are a little bit more accessible, <laughs> easier to carry around, but always have some variation of percussion instruments. If it is uh, clave sticks or um, maracas, um, I really love the different bells that can attach to different parts of your body. So like I have Mm -hmm. a foot tambourine or um, little wrist bells. Um, So all of those kinds of things that will invite rhythmic engagement, but also movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I really love to bring those into sessions. I love that. I love that there's such a variety of the rhythmic instruments. Like you said, like the foot tambourine or the bells that can, you know, attach right onto the wrist if they want or be held in some way. Um, there's just so much that can be done within the rhythm, but such a relatable comment that the djembe is not always physically the most well-suited to bring with you everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I would be like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins of like just the one woman band. I already feel like that sometimes. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> Imagine bringing my guitar and my djembe and all of my instruments and just it would be. Yeah it would be entertaining in itself. <laughs> yeah. Just watching you walk. I know I was having that conversation with someone the other day, because for the last round of the NMT study that I was doing, I didn't have a good sense of who was going to be there every day. And it was very varied in terms of abilities and preferences. And so I just like overcompensated and, and had literally everything. And I'm carrying it from the parking lot with my guitar and my keyboard and my djembe's. And people are like, wow, like you're a one person band. I'm like, yes, it's my own doing. This is my own fault. <laughs> my own doing. Yeah. Um, yes, it's me. I'm the problem. It's I'm me. the problem. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I've been really blessed lately to have, um, in one of my dementia groups, we have a gentleman who comes and he brings his own set of drums. Like oh, cool. He will pack a whole set of drums with him in his car and bring them to the group. And it's so amazing. We have this one song that we come back to sometimes when we're working on just warming up our voices and breath. Um, and, or just, um, speech in general, like getting some speech production. We do, um, an old camping song, um, happy wanderer and oh. the chorus, battery, battery, um, battery, battery, my knapsack on my back, that one. Um, <laughs> so we do that one quite often and I give pauses right in the <laughs> for people to like do a nice belly laugh <laughs> in that part um, and see how long they can do that for. And so recently, because he hasn't been engaging in much of like the singing, he's really into playing the drums. And I think he feels like he's mm -hmm. like a support musician. And that's why I fully let him take on that role. <laughs> and um, I often will give people the opportunity to have like solo moments of laughing by themselves or in groups with other, in small groups with other people, if they're not somebody who wants to do it on their own the whole group together and I've been asking him like if the drums could laugh what would it sound like and so it's the biggest hoot every single time he's like mm, I don't know I guess we'll find out <laughs> and so I give him this moment to shine where it's like and it's so beautiful every single time and he gets a great kick out of it and um yeah it's so beautiful how we don't need to have the words in order to participate fully in music we have all of these elements that make it so great and that's why I think rhythm is one of the big things that I I rely upon um but you know it's not just a sing-along because a lot of people would imagine we have that rhythmic element we have the melody we have harmonies we have tonality we have all of these things that make music so accessible to many people, depending on their, um, you know, abilities and what they're able to offer you in, in those settings. That's such a cool experience, Haley. Like, I love that this person is so motivated and so, um, you know, connected to the time with you that they are willing to load up their vehicle and transport drums. Like that's, I have a drum kit and, it lived in a basement for the longest time because I don't have physical space for it. And at the second that I did, not even in my home at, at the theater company I work for, I went and I set it up and it stays, it lives there. She's a beast. Like that is impressive. Yeah. And here I am <laughs> complaining about carrying right? my djembe. Like I'm just so in awe. He does it twice a week. We have this group twice a week and I'm just in awe every single time, the happiest camper to load up the car and to, 
unload it at the group to reload it after the hour group. It's just yeah, like one hour. Eh? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. It's like just amazing. So I guess I won't be complaining about carrying my drumming anymore. <laughs> uh, you're still allowed to complain. Yeah. You have to carry things every single day almost, <laughs> so, but perspective, right. And mm-hmm. what it's, what's so special about that is that you've created this space in collaboration with them where it has become motivating, right? Like if he had brought his drums to the first couple of sessions and you stayed with that, that lyric focus as, as other people externally might've saying like, no, we're going to sing here and didn't get that chance to shine. It might not be worth it to load up those drums and to bring them, but clearly that's an instrument that they resonate with. And so cool that you can find those ways to like personify the drum and like be in that authentic moment with them as well. I would never know what a drum kit laughing would sound like until you ask the question. <laughs> so cool. Exactly. <laughs> it's fun. Speaking of the music that we tend to use in sessions, I love that you have that kind of like recurring song that you do to open that space for you. Is there is there a particular song that you use most often in therapy settings, perhaps across different sessions, or is it pretty varied? So. I was trying to think of other ones that you did not say. <laughs> but <laughs> you are my sunshine. It's just, it is a mm-hmm. staple within my world anyway. My sessions um, comes up at least once every every month like somebody is requesting that at least so it's not a month that goes by let alone I could say a week but like yeah. I'm gonna make it more general <laughs> let's say a month just in the odd chance um so that is one for sure and funny enough I'll like I'll have at some sessions I'll ask for um, participants to suggest songs and even if We've already sung You Are My Sunshine. It always comes <laughs> <Yeah>. up again. <laughs> so that's not going away anytime soon. <laughs> Somewhere Over the Rainbow has been one that I use across generations um, in therapy. Also, um, in dementia groups specifically, this one has been um constant and i didn't know this song before i went to my internship it's um let me call you sweetheart i'm in love with you let me that one i love it so it's like a, a beautiful waltz mm-hmm. uh, feeling and that one has come up so many times in so such meaningful ways. And I'm so grateful that I learned that song um, because it, it has been um, a big part of my journey. Like that song is going to be special to me for years. Like if one day I develop dementia, somebody's going to have a really hard time pinpointing what my music of choice is because <laughs> I've been singing that all through my twenties. So <laughs> um that is going to be um, uh, one that I would classify for sure. So let's go with those three for now. There are so many, but <laughs> valid. Those are some wonderful answers and I resonate with them too. And it's so interesting to hear where the consistencies are or what the, those kind of, especially cross-generationally, right? Like you, um, over the rainbow, I say, I use intergenerational intergenerationally <laughs> tongue twister there <laughs> and it's so fascinating to see what we come back to and let me call you sweetheart like comes up quite often for me as well but um yeah it's it's interesting to see what those connections are and then I loved that point that you made of the fact that it's now become part of your journey right like the songs that we are singing consistently in theory for other people or with other people in the context of of clinical work become a part of our experience. And so I was thinking the same thing of, you know, if I'm in long-term care one day, you're going to get a nice mix of Spice Girls and Backstreet Boys and all those classic 90s songs, but also, you know, the 50s and the 60s and the don't sit under the apple tree. And <laughs> it's going to be yeah, wild. It's going to be a, maybe it might make it easier for the music therapists moving forward maybe. or, you know, just a little bit more interesting for sure. 
Definitely interesting. <laughs> I think about those aha moments where someone like hums a song and you spend hours, weeks, days, like trying to figure out what they've hummed. I could see that happening because you just don't even think to think about that that's in the time period. And then you have the aha moment of, oh, sweet, random, but awesome. <laughs> so speaking of these journeys, this journey, it, it being a part of your journey, that song, um, you know, there's been lots of journeying in your time coming into the field and over the few years, and it might be hard to pinpoint the specific moments, but is there, is there a specific moment in your journey that is the favorite part of your music therapy journey, or that's maybe extremely impactful or yeah. What comes to mind there? Yeah. So I like, this might be a weird thing to say, but I feel like my favorite part of my music therapy journey is still brewing. So important thing to note of like the so far <laughs> for this question, because I think there have been so many favorite moments. Um, mm. And definitely the release of my book was one top, top favorite moment um, of something that I, it, like I had imagined happening but when I saw like the physical tangible reality of it it was definitely a highlight for me um and something that I am extremely proud of yeah I love that you say you know it's still brewing because there's so much journey still to come about and our journeys are made up of those moments and that was such an important and special moment for you to have had that that like budding idea and then to actually do something about it. And the final product is, well, I have one sitting right beside me that you <laughs> left. Um, but it's such a beautiful product, such a beautiful story, such like, I remember when you were going through the, um, the design process and getting those pictures and just seeing the glimmer of realizing that kind of passion dream of yours and that's something that I really admire about you is that you're an idea person, you're an idea gal, and you have all these really creative and cool and interesting things. And you're not afraid to actually take action and, and make them happen, even if they're like wild. You know how to rein them in when when they're wild or, or know when to say, you know, oh, that's enough, that's not for right now. But from when you first mentioned this book to me when we were just getting to know each other, to then it being an actual physical thing, A, was way quicker than I ever imagined as someone who sometimes procrastinates and doesn't know how to get to the final product, but like just so cool and such an important piece um, that the field needed at that time, I think too. So just want to celebrate that with you. And I can definitely understand how that would be a favorite moment to date. <laughs> there have been so many and I feel like that, but that really shines because it was, it wasn't just one moment for me. It, it's still happening in the sense of the book is still here. Like, um, so it's hard to categorize favorite moments of my music therapy journey because all of them have just continued to build on to one another. So another favorite moment, an impactful moment for me was my internship. Mm -hmm. And I will forever be grateful for that period of time. Um, because for me that it, it did resonate. I, I, I could have had so many experiences in my internship and I'm grateful I had a positive one that helped me to really learn and grow in ways that I probably didn't expect right out of university. Um, it wasn't a, your normal like internship journey of going to one site and being there with your intern supervisor all day, every day, which I think in my head, that's what I had pictured before. It's like a music therapy job. It's like, just go to one place every <laughs> single day. And that's my job and work, work there the whole time. But I really got to experience the life of a, um, subcontractor or somebody in private practice right from the start of my internship and I was doing something different every single day and then going to consult my um, supervisor outside of those spaces. So I really had to learn to be an independent thinker and operator and um, really trust my gut in, yeah. in session in order to be able to provide a, a meaningful and 
um, safe experience for people who are coming in for music therapy. And so there was a lot of growth. (laughs) When you talk about imposter syndrome, I'm sure my supervisor, Nicola, got sick and tired of me (laughs) (laughs) dumping on her all of the times where I was unsure. But um, it really, really was empowering and helped me to grow and to really trust myself and my instincts moving forward. That's awesome. Yeah, it's interesting how that initial introduction into the field, you know, we have these thoughts of what it might look like. And then either that meets that expectations or it's wildly different. But in your instance, it sounds like it gave you a lot of the core skills that have been you've carried with you throughout the rest of your journey. So like you said, the the, mo- the moments are awesome, but they're still continuing to blossom and bloom and, and carry throughout your journey, which is really, um, really beautiful. So s- sticking with those moments a little bit, like, like you said, there's been a whole lot of things that have happened in your career today, and there will be so many more to come. But can you tell us more about some of the cool things that you've been involved in in your journey? Yes. So. <laughs> Synergy by far is at the top of that list. I didn't Mm. think that, well, I knew I always wanted to have a private practice, but, um, you know, the way that this is growing and evolving is beyond my wildest dreams. So I'm excited for it to continue happening. And, um, we have a fabulous team that I'm so proud of and to be a part of, um, and all of the things that, you know, we, we plan on doing, I'm, I'm so excited for, um, the world to see, but also excited for us to continue imagining, um, and putting into action and seeing some of those areas and gaps that we have observed be filled in some way, or, um, you know, give an opportunity to people where, where it might not exist in this way yet. So, that excites me um, and is something really cool that I am currently a part of. Um, in the past, I have been involved in um, various projects, <laughs> I think, just um, as a result of social media and different platforms. Um, I've gone to talk on several podcasts, which is really great. And I've gotten to know the podcast community really well. Um, I have somehow become a speaker. So I have engaged with several music therapy practices across Canada and the States, um, offering courses, one specifically, uh, or two actually, with Amy Clemens Cortez on her website, notesbyamy.com. Um, we have two um, see MTE courses on her website that I had the privilege of, um, creating for continuing education credits, uh, around anti-oppressive practice. And so that is something that I have found to be extremely exciting and cool and, um, nurturing to my professional identity and hopefully to others. Um, what spearheaded all of that was the creation of um, the resources, the anti-oppressive practice resources, the first one of which I collaborated with Priya Shah, who I'm now actually working with again in a different capacity um, on the CAMT board, which I'm really excited for that journey. Um, and obviously all of the stickers and products that we've put out with Synergy, um, uh, the podcast, this podcast (laughs) has been something that's so cool for me to do. Um, you know, it's just been really interesting to come in contact now with some of the people that I find to be celebrities of music therapy (laughs) I just and to be running in some of the same circles as them and to draw on their wisdom I find to be just so cool I will never get over that I don't think (laughs) (laughs) um and so I yeah that it blows my mind that I have this opportunity and have made some of those connections with people I guess the last thing of the many I'm trying to think of if I've missed some things, I'm sure I have, but, <laughs> um, 
I've been serving on the Canadian Association of Music Therapists board now for a couple years. Um, first joined as the professional development chair and now transitioning into the president role. Well, I was past president or not past president. I was president elect um, all last year, dual serving as professional development chair. And now I am the president of the Canadian of music therapists and it's going to be an exciting ride because there's so much change happening but I think necessary change and I think people will be on board looking forward to connecting more with the membership across provinces and just to have more communication and connection between the board and all of um the music therapy community across Canada yeah all of the applause and snaps for all of that. <laughs> there, you do so much, Haley, and the work that you do, I'm I'm always constantly inspired by, and I always find that it leads from that place of passion. Like you said, when you first created those AOP um, resources, they're coming from a place of that passion. There are things that you see as so important for our field and so intentional, and then you being who you are as a super creative, cool, awesome person, whomst I love, um, kind of creates, you find the people, right? You find the people to connect with, to complement your journey and collaborate with, or you find the resources. And I just love it. And I'm always excited for what you're going to work on next because they usually come out of left field, even to me. <laughs> like, oh yeah, just been casually working away. <laughs> so within all of that though, it, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy to create additional resources or to be a speaker or to serve on a board or to do anything beyond the nine to five or whatever time zone of clinical work and being involved in the field and running synergy and running all of these things takes lots of energy, lots of passion. So what, what maintains that passion for you, for you, for the field? Like how do you continue to keep finding that motivation or staying connected to do all of these things and to be within the field? I think that's an important question too, because burnout could be really easy, which I have experienced on multiple occasions throughout my journey. Um, and we've talked about that already on the podcast a bit, but, um, I think a lot of my professional identity is informed by, like I said, in my personal, um, spiel, my family. <laughs> and so, on both sides of my family, my mom's side and my dad's side, they are families that are um, very work-centered, very like um, uh, entrepreneur in nature, like not necessarily setting out to be entrepreneurs, but it just happened that that is what, where their paths and where their journey has taken them. And so several business opportunities, like you said, idea generators, um, filling gaps, like that is just something that has been part of my upbringing. I've seen that in action. And so naturally, I think maybe that's part of how I adopted um, how I walk through my professional world as well. So the the upside to that is that we can make things happen. We're very resourceful people. We enjoy working because we do work that we're passionate about um, or that brings us joy. The downside to that is that we can be workaholics and not make enough time for ourselves. And um, we can sometimes lose sight of that passion because it becomes your job. And so for me, I've had to figure out how to avoid those two things um, because that's the only way that something is going to be sustainable. So I've had to create boundaries around the things that bring me joy as something who, as something that fuels my human being because that is going to inform my human doing, as mentioned before. So the two are really inter interconnected in that I, um, I don't feel guilty anymore 
sometimes about when I'm taking time off for myself and somebody is needing something from me in my work or somebody is wanting to contact me at like nine o'clock on a Saturday or Friday night. And I'm like, I just ignore it now because I need me time. I need downtime and I don't need to apologize for that specifically. Um, And so really trying to set those boundaries of, okay, this is going to be my working space time. And anything outside of that, like if I'm with family and I see an email come in or if I see, you know, a text message come in, I, it can wait. (laughs) I used to feel so guilty and feel like I needed to do everything all of the time. And life goes on. (laughs) Things will happen. It's either meant to happen or it doesn't. And I know that sometimes things are in time crunch, but, you know, it's important that you feel yourself. And then the second thing is that when you're doing something you're so passionate about, how do you how do you keep that spark alive when it becomes your job? Um, and part of what you said in your interview, Kim, is recognizing that you still need to hold part of that experience for yourself. So like you did with making your music, um, making music for yourself is a way that you keep the spark for even your connection to music alive when it is also your job. Um, but for me, coming back to kind of the beginning of our conversation, just being silly with music and ha- letting loose and have fun and not caring about if I'm getting the words right, if I'm on beat, if I'm like, I'm just having a good time making up songs in the car with my friends and my family, like having nice little slow dances with (laughs) special people in my life um you know singing really badly with at the top at top volume with people who don't necessarily have the best um uh sense of (laughs) 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 and not caring at all it's just Uh like enjoying music for music and enjoying just the innate connection that we have and, and, and that brings us all together as a result of that medium. It's like, I need that. I need the opportunity to jam, to go to karaoke, to like do all of those things that will just keep it fun for me. Yes to all of that. I think there are some super important pieces in there, like you said, with with the boundaries that you're setting to make it sustainable for yourself. And just within that relationship that you, you hold towards music, but also towards that, that mental, that mentality of work, right? Like it's, it's not something that we can do 24 seven. It's something that we need to be able to fuel and enjoy. It's something that we need to be able to have that harmony within. So I love, I love that. And I resonate with a lot of what you shared. Yay. So coming back to this, like you said, this whole being, the whole being of Haley. If you had to pick three words, you know, you've got almost like your, your person elevator pitch that we're sharing with our (laughs) our audience here, but three words that best describe you as a being, as a whole person. Who am I? (laughs) That is the question. I, okay. So this is a tough, Thing. I think you struggled with it as well, but 100%. three words uh, that are coming to mind are creative. I'm going to say thoughtful mm. with the idea that like intentionality is a part of that thoughtfulness. And, you know, no matter if it's a professional situation or a personal decision, I'm, I, I try to be thoughtful in a lot of the things that I say and do. And silly, creative, thoughtful, and silly. Yep. I get that from you. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Haley, thank you for letting us deep dive into your world and and answering some questions about who you are, you know, on, on both the personal, the professional side, but just as a whole human being and all of the things that you've been human doing. It's such a 
pleasure to get to have this conversation with you in this space or in this context, because I know that, you know, we have chats all the time and we have the chats with other people on our podcast, like you mentioned, but, um, yeah, this has been a really special way to get to connect with you and do this a bit more intentionally (laughs) for ourselves. Is there any last piece you want to wrap with or, or do you want to leave, leave them with those three words? Wrap with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Drop a beat. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Able Voice podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Synergy Music Therapy. You can also find links to our most recent and top-rated episodes on our website at www.synergymusictherapy.com.